called The Fight to Be Salt and Light. The Fight to Be Salt and Light. Drawing on Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount comes from when Jesus was just beginning His, his earthly ministry and uh, after being baptized by John and was traveling through Galilee. And it was His mountainside preaching moment in Matthew 5, uh, which summarized quite a lot of His teachings, actually, uh, on how to live as a follower of Jesus. It was a bit of a wake-up call for the people that He was speaking to, and it was a call to live for God through faith, not just keeping rules or regulations or tick boxes. It was an invitation to relationship. It was an invitation to grace. It was to an invitation to something living and vibrant and transformative, and he shares uh, the verses which are known as the Beatitudes, the be, the attitudes to be, is how I like to remember them as being. And then we reach verse 13 of Matthew 5, which we're going to read uh, together. And I'm going to pray before we read from God's Word. Lord, we just thank you for each and every person here. And I pray that this morning as we look at your word, as we focus our eyes towards you, that your presence would come, that you would interrupt us, that you would take over, that you would just remind us how great you are. very menacing laugh at quite a poignant moment. We'll move swiftly on. Matthew 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. And it'll be on the screen as well. I need to remember that the screen isn't like 100 meters long now, so I can't walk in front of it. I'm very conscious when I'm standing here. I'm like, oh, the poor person behind me, how are they going to worship? Anyway, Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Jesus declared that believers were the salt of the earth. And it's important to look at the context of what, what was salt used for in these times. And there's a few things that it's used for, and I'm right in front of the screen again, but it's okay, it's fine. It was used for flavoring or seasoning, a Anybody got a family member who just uses far too much salt? We have a family member like that, and I'm like, do you want any potatoes with that salt at all? It's like the constant flow of salt. It's used to enhance and bring the taste buds to life. So it's used for flavoring and seasoning. It's used for preservation at this time. So salt would be used for preserving meat to keep it fresh, to keep it edible, and to avoid all sorts of bad stuff growing uh, in it. Uh, that would ruin it. So there was, there was no freezers, there was no chest freezers at this time. 
So a uh, preservation. Also disinfectant. It was used as a disinfectant. It'd be used for wounds. It'd be used to kill germs and cuts and injuries and for uh, medical purposes. Uh, it would be used for offerings. So we read in the Bible that salt was used for offerings. There's a few references where actually salt is added to the offering as it was presented to God. In Ezekiel 43, we read, you're to offer them before the Lord and the priests are to sprinkle salt on them and sacrifice them as a burnt offering to the Lord. Uh, and also grain offerings were mentioned in the book of Leviticus as well, uh, with salt as well mentioned. So, learning this, we understand a bit more about being salt of the earth. Do you know, as Jesus followers, we are bringing a taste of life unlike anything else? When we come into a room, our seasoning brings a burst of His Spirit into any space that we walk into. We carry His Spirit, we carry His seasoning into that space. It changes atmospheres as when you sprinkle salt, it changes dishes. It changes the flavoring of dishes. We make a space more like Jesus intends when we go and step into it full of His Spirit. We bring protection and preservation as salt does to meat. We bring something of God's protection into situation, situations to make sure nothing bad grows or goes off or comes under attack. We bring healing as salt brings cleansing to wounds. We bring His presence into open wounds. We bring something that combats the enemy's plans to rot and to infiltrate hearts. We bring truth and hope and healing. And we bring ourselves as an offering. We are willing to go where He wants us to go, not where we think is best. Salt and light. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. I want to ask us, are we salty? Are we salty? Are we shining a light this morning? Are we hiding the light? Have we lost the saltiness? Do we bring the light out for a little wave on a Sunday and then stick it behind our jacket and put it away in the cupboard the rest of the week? Jesus is saying this morning, no, you we, you, me, we, <laughs> keep going and going, are the light of the world. Don't hide. Don't put, it, don't put it away. Put it on display for everyone to see. Don't be afraid. Our challenge is for out there as we step out to be salt of the earth, to be light of the world. And it's a battle because there's so much day to day that is competing. There's so much day-to-day -day that is competing for our attention. There's so much that tries to distract us. There's so much that we can get lost in. There's so much that we can become fearful of. There's so much to do. There's so much that is important, and life just gets in the way so we can let time just pass us by, and we miss the mark. Everything gets in the way. It's my prayer that this series, uh, that we would see meaningful, lasting change in our lives, where with God's leading, we can take an honest look at our lives and ask God, what do I need to change to be more salty? What do I need to change to shine a light? And that God would meet us in our fears and fill us with faith, that we win the fight. So, the first topic I want to look at this morning is to be servant-hearted and to fight consumerism. That's the first thing I want to look at. 
And uh, this is tough. We're all consumers in some way. Uh, but our whole culture has accelerated our consumerist mindset in everything that we do, in anything that we do. I read this week, I'll throw it out here to have a few guesses. How many different variations of coffee do you think Starbucks has? And Ross, please don't answer. How many? 30. How many different variations? I mean, no, no, no. Well, higher. Nope. So this is what it says in terms of different ways to customize its drinks. 170,000 different ways to customize their drinks. I know. I'm kind of tempted to go in and just list them all off and see how long it would take me to. 170,000 ways to customize your drink in Starbucks. And I know this from personal experience. You can have McDonald's burgers any way you want them. Anyway, you can adapt and edit them any way you want. We can design trainers. We can kit out our cars the way that we want them. We can have everything in life fitted and suited and designed to the specs that we want it. And it's dangerous and it's got the potential to really, really damage our walks with Jesus because we can adopt the same practice. Jesus the way that we want him. 170,000 different customizations to fit how I need him to fit. And that was never how it was meant to be. We gave our life to him for following his mission, his plans to do as he pleases. He's the potter, we're the clay. So a couple of helpful shifts I want to share this morning. And the first one is a shift from what is in this for me to what's in me for this. That's the first thing I want to look at. Uh, once a month on a Saturday morning, me and my boys uh, get up early. Well, one of my boys uh, get up early, and we have an action-packed day. We get up, and we have some pancakes. We always make pancakes on a Saturday morning. I've got a brilliant Jamie Oliver one-cup pancake recipe I can share with you over tea and coffee. And then we head to Nana and Granda's house, and they get a delivery of logs to their house, and they get them dumped in the front of the garden, and we need to wheelbarrow them round to the back. So we do that about once a month uh, to the woodshed, and we do that load after load, and it's a, it's a good workout. And then we get a bacon roll, and then we head home, and we head to the football, I help at the club shop probably once every two weeks at Clack and the Cudden. I'm the chaplain, and I just go, where do you want to put me? I'll go and help where you want me to help. And often it's at the club shop, so I sell the strips and the scarves and the badges and have chats with folk who are visiting, and uh, my boy gets a selection of hot dogs, and uh, he comes back with a bag of sweeties every single week, just wired to the moon, uh, but he absolutely loves it. He gets spoiled rotten. It's a great day. But what I haven't shared is the Dragon's Den style bargaining that goes on at 7 a.m. before to work out which boy is coming. And the question I get is, what's in it for me, Dad? And I go, well, son, you'll get a bacon roll at Nana's. You'll get a hot dog at the football. And, uh, yeah, it's all food related. Yeah, you can see a common theme. You'll get a bag of Haribo, perhaps, as well. One of the ladies often does that as well. Then he thinks about it, and I'm not, no word of a lie, he then says to me, throw in a fiver. <laughs> <laughs> no, get in the car. <laughs> Funny little moments you have with the kids, isn't it? But I can't shake that interaction out of my head as I think about saltiness and I think about light. 
as I long for, be, for consumerism just to be batted out of the way. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's happened to just serving? What's happened to just bringing our time, our money, and resources to something or someone because it feels like a Jesus thing to do for nothing in return? Where are the spaces that we give out and serve just for the sake of giving out and serving because it's a Jesus kind of thing to do? Where are the spaces that don't make sense to be part of because there's no benefit in us but to just serve? Where are the areas that we've always looked for our benefits that the Lord wants to encourage us? You're bringing something to the space, not for your benefit, but for other people's benefit. I think that's the key, one of the keys to being salt and to being light, to serve the body of Christ, to serve the city, to bring what you have. Don't be concerned what's in it for us. Jesus will look after us. He's got it. We maybe look at a, a ministry area or a career's choice or a, a decision, a big life decision or a life choice, and we see where does it serve us, fits with us, instead of where it would serve others. What can I get rather than what can I bring? What's in me? What's in me in terms of wisdom, experience, skills, encouragement, love, concern, resources, help, advice, the uniqueness for such a time as this? So, What's in this for me, shifting to what's in me for this. And we look at Jesus, we look at Mark 10, verses in Mark 10, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The second thing I want to look at is, please give me more to it's time I gave you more. Give me more to it's time I gave you more. In my previous life, I, as I mentioned many times, I worked in a bank at Santander, financial advisor, quite a pressured, targeted environment. Those of us who have been in sales before will know that it can be, it can be pretty stressful. But a lot of our referrals for customers would come from uh, the counter staff, you know, and the, uh, doing general transactions. You know, they'd ask a little question and then they'd identify a need and then they'd say, oh, well, Thomas is there. He can have a wee chat with you just now. And we get a lot of our uh, business in terms of mortgages, insurances, just from helping folks uh, from that kind of avenue. But when they dry up, your business dries up and it gets quieter through the day. And thankfully, I always did relatively okay because my mindset, although there was lots of salesmen around me, I was like, I just want to provide a service. I just want to help the individual provide a service. And if that isn't the right thing to do, that's fine. I'll just let them go. I'm providing a service. Is this the best thing? And then it all seemed to work out in terms of my journey uh, as a financial advisor. But I'd often give the counter staff in the morning, a little motivational, uh, uh, a motivational speech at the beginning of the morning. We'd have our morning huddles, which used to be some of the most cheesiest things that some bosses would bring to these moments at like half eight in the morning when you're half asleep and they're telling you to roar like a lion. And you're like, seriously, <laughs> that's really going to help me today. But I would think of little things to motivate the counter staff just to help them get these referrals, to help me get the business. And uh, it would get to 11 a.m. and a couple of times I'd go out onto the, the, the banking floor and I'd go, come on, guys, I need more from you. And, I, you know, the rest of the day is free. Anybody, anybody, just chat to them, bring them into my room and we'll give them a mortgage. We'll sort something out. I didn't say that. I'd, but I need, pardon? Yeah, if I offer the fiver, yeah. I've got hot dogs. I've got, <laughs> it'd get to after lunch. I'm like, come on. I just walk behind them this time. How are you getting on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just need, I need something, guys. Come on, this next customer, they look like they need help. Come on. 
and then uh, get to the afternoon, the same thing. And this would go on and on and on until I realized what I, d- I didn't need more from them. They needed more from me. They needed more from me. I wasn't giving them enough time. I wasn't encouraging them. I wasn't getting to know them. I wasn't getting to know these people that I was working with. I seen them as a vehicle to my success and role rather than individuals, people with jobs, families, lives, interests. And it's amazing how quickly that shift can happen. I want to say to us, beware of function. Beware of function. Saltiness dies in function. It dies in lack of relationship. Light can't shine in that kind of environment. Salt keeps its flavor in heart moments. Light shines in genuine love and concern for others. So that was a wake-up for me. Uh, It might be, as you're listening to that uh, story, it might be a wee wake-up for you. I don't know, but I think it's a word also in worship. As we come to worship, let me unpack it a little bit. And I'm drawn from a, a classic little book. Many of you might have read it called Face Down by Matt Redman. It's a tiny little square book he read, he wrote in the 90s, I think it was. He's quite a, quite a famous worship leader. And he speaks of Genesis 22, where God tells Abraham to build an altar at the mountain of Moriah to worship him. And his son Isaac is to be the sacrifice. His son Isaac is to be the offering. And God never intended this to happen, but it illuminates some truth on worship here, because Isaac himself brings the very first point, uh, which is really important. Isaac says in the passage, and you can read it in your own time in Genesis 22, he says, the fire, what does he say? The fire and the wood is here, but where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice, he says? Real and meaningful worship leads to sacrifice. We read that in Romans 12, verse 1. We can gather the fire and wood. We can get everything okay on the outside. We can get the nice speakers. We can get the songs. We can get the words displayed on the screen. But we must have the sacrifice. Where is the sacrifice? And Matt Redman says this, there must be times in our worship when we stop saying, please give me more, and we start to say, it's time I give you more. There's times in our worship when we stop saying, here I am, meet me, to here I am, send me. No matter where, why, when, the cost, the sacrifice, worship always leads to mission. What does it look like to change that posture for us as a church family this morning, to give Him more in worship, our lives in worship? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge here I am, meet me, to here I am, send me, whatever the cost, Lord. I'm saying yes to the mission. I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for Jesus. That's why I'm, that's why I'm here. We sing that song, I go anywhere, I do anything for you. Here I am, send me. The next shift I want to look at is what I would change to how could I change. What would I change to how could I change? Now, I love making changes for the better. I come alive in these moments where uh, it fuels my soul, and Mary will tell you that. It brings me life. I live for transformational moments of seeing the before and then seeing what happens afterwards. I love programs like that. I live for stories of the before and after of Jesus, what Jesus has done, good news stories. I love seeing things being made better But this can be a downfall in the leader and the visionary in me. 
because I'm always looking at absolutely everything with a view to what I think could make it better. And Mary needs to often kick it out of me. So we'll be in a restaurant, and uh, that's a nice meal. And I'm like, yeah, it's a nice meal. It's a good meal. But if they just changed how they served the food, and they tweaked the menu a little bit, and if that waitress just tweaked her language a little bit, the whole experience would be so much better. I didn't quite like how she spoke to me there. Or if we're at a shop waiting, I know exactly why I'm waiting. I know how to fix it, but I can't fix it. I know exactly what I would do if I was the manager here. (laughs) The consumer in me wants it the way that I want it. And I realize that that can be a strength in all sorts of ways and can be a gift from God, but sometimes it can mask itself as me looking for what to change and what the project is when actually the project is often me. The project more times than often is me. The change out there with the restaurant and the queue and the business isn't what the Lord is concerned with, but it's the change in me. Often the stuff that I don't have control in. Why does it make you feel like that? Where is your patience gone, Thomas? Where is your peace in this imperfect moment, Thomas? Why do you desire to always be doing, Thomas? Why has that got you so annoyed? You're not going to change that, Thomas, but maybe there's some change to be done in you. bit of a moment. It's a bit of a moment. I believe that salt and light comes in all its fullness. When we in these moments of seeing what would I change, of the things that grate our gears maybe in work or at church or out and about, we ask the Holy Spirit, is there any way in this, Lord, that you're maybe, maybe, maybe wanting to bring some change in my heart? Am I the project here, Lord? Are the fruits of the Spirit radiating or are they rotting? What are they doing? Love, joy, patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness. Where do I need to see these fruits growing in the week ahead? What would I change to how could I change? And then finally, what's best for me to what's God's best for me? God's best for you will be an adventure. God's best for you will not be easy. God's best for you will not be comfortable. God's best for you will require you to stack your yeses. God's best for you will require cost and sacrifice. God's best for you will take you to unexpected places and unexpected spaces. God's best for you is often not your best for you. To be salt, full of flavor, light shining for others, we live from God's best and God's plans. We lean into the nudges. We step into His invitations. We serve Him wherever He calls us. We trust. As we consume in all sorts of different ways, we look for what's best for us, what fits our circumstances, our lifestyle, our career. I want a car with seven seats, Isofix, roof bars, 1.8 liter engine, diesel, DAB, radio, heated seats, big boot, and alloy wheels. What's the best phone for me? What's the best shoes? What's the best watch, best holiday? We want the best. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But God's best operates differently. We go in faith. We might not see the full picture. We don't plan out what fits. We say to him, wherever I fit, Lord, just send me, take me. Salt and light is at its saltiest and at its brightest when we are a by-faith people.
people. We serve by faith. We don't know it all, but we know who does. And we can read of that time and time again, the by faith stories in Hebrews chapter 11. We don't have time to go through that just now. But amazing, just seeing rattled off by faith Noah, by faith Moses. Steve Nicholson, who's a vineyard pastor in America, recently retired. He's over in the UK just now, and he's ministering to churches in the UK. He's uh, been in ministry for over 45 years. Amazing, amazing man, so humble. He, he says this, Jesus will lead you beyond your ability. That's where faith is. That's where faith comes into play. When it's what you can do and control, no faith is needed. He will lead you out beyond what you control, and fear might step in. But when you were with Jesus, you need never, never fear. We're to be a by faith people. Take the next step. I don't know where it's headed, Lord, but I'm with you. I'm alongside you. I'm holding on to you. I'm a wee bit scared, but with you, I need not fear. I don't have the full roadmap. I don't have the full spec of what's going to happen, but I trust you. Where's best? Here I am, send me. So to be servant-hearted, to win that fight, to be salt and light, we shift our perspective. Not what's in it for me, what's in it for me, but what's in me for this moment where you've placed me, Lord? What have I got to bring? What have you given me that's uniquely mine to give out to someone else in this space? Not please give me more, but it's time I give you more, Lord, more worship, more praise, more recognition of who you are, more focus on your greatness. Not what would I change, but how could I change? Is the project me, Lord? Just to be asking that question in those moments. Oh, is this something you want to do in me, actually, Holy Spirit? And not what's best for me, but God, just send me wherever. Send me wherever. I want to be a by faith kind of follower. Why don't we stand together?